Good morning, friends. I've been eagerly looking forward to sharing from Isaiah with you this morning. This is a text that has challenged me and encouraged me a great deal in the past weeks. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 42. If you have one of the church Bibles, that's page 389. And as we regularly do, the text will be on the screen above me as well. It is a tragic thing to be deaf or blind. If you're unable to see or unable to hear, you're deprived of a major source of information, major sources of information from the world around you. Massive amounts of important information is being sent your way, but you can't perceive it. That may be information about beauty. You can't see a sunset that the Lord has painted in the sky, or hear a beautifully played piano piece. Or it may be information about relationships. You can't see the body language that tell you how someone is feeling, or hear the voice of a loved one, or perhaps an enemy who is seeking you. But perhaps most important of all, it it may be information you're missing about safety. You don't see the obstacle ahead of you, and you can't hear the warnings that people are issuing to avoid it. However, despite the tragic loss of all that information, if you are physically deaf or or blind, the one thing that you have going for you is that you know that you are deaf or blind. You orient your entire life around the fact that you cannot see or you cannot hear. But if you are spiritually deaf or blind, it is a far, far worse thing. Because if you are spiritually deaf or blind, you don't know that you are spiritually deaf or blind. You don't realize it. You think you're hearing and seeing clearly. You think you have all the information you need. And so you often find yourself falling over those hazards that you would otherwise know were there. And so you often find yourself fallen, lying on the ground, hurt and confused and often raging at the world around you. But it doesn't have to be that way. This morning, Yahweh, our God, who created and formed each and every one of us, wants you to hear and see spiritually so that you can understand how you ended up lying on the ground and how to avoid it happening again. And he begins this morning by offering a history lesson for the deaf and blind. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 42. We're going to begin at verse 18. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or as blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake to magnify his law and make it glorious, but... 
This is a people plundered and looted. They are, all of them, trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say, restore. Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord? against whom we have sinned, in whose ways they would not walk, and whose law they would not obey. So he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. Let's pause there. We see immediately in this text that there is a big problem in the lives of God's people. But the problem is not what they think it is. Initially, the problem appears to be found in verse 22. This is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say, restore. Now, the original audience of this message are the men of Judah. Yahweh's own people who have been taken into exile in the, in the nation of Babylon. And so Yahweh's assessment here is quite accurate. They're in holes and in prisons. They've been plundered by Babylon and there is none coming to rescue them. Now, how do they get into that position? Well, the people of Judah feel like they've fallen over something that they didn't see and that no one told them was there and they're lying there in a great deal of pain and wondering, what are you doing, God? Why didn't you warn us that this would happen? Why didn't you help us when they came for us? Yet what we also learn in this text is that the source of the problem here is neither Babylon nor its prisons. It's that Yahweh's people, whom he personifies here as his servant, is both deaf and blind. Look at verse 19. Who is blind but my servant, or as deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? But these people are not physically hard of hearing, nor do they have physically impaired vision. Rather, verse 20 says that the servant sees many things, but does not observe them. And his ears are open, but he does not hear. My friends, hearing aids and glasses will not fix this problem. This is not a problem of ears and eyes, but of heart and will. Consider verse 23. Who among you will give ear to this? Will attend and listen for the time to come. The servant can hear, but isn't doing so. He can see, but isn't doing so because he doesn't want to. But why? Why would anyone willingly choose to be deaf and blind? Why would anyone willingly ignore important life-changing information? That's insane, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely is but we do it all the time. When our perspective on a policy or a person or a people group 
is challenged by new information, we can choose to hear and see that information or we can choose to reject it. But accepting it means also accepting that we've been wrong. We have missed things before. Perhaps we've been terribly wrong. And it's really hard to hear that. Rejecting that new information seems a whole lot easier, especially in the short term. And that's exactly what the people of Judah had chosen to do. And here is a brief history lesson of how it went down, outlined in verse 21. The Lord, Yahweh, was pleased for his righteousness' sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. Okay, now that may be referring to a particular instance of Yahweh giving his law to his people. Perhaps, perhaps it's Moses getting the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. But really, it can just as easily be taken more generally because Yahweh's people are notorious for ignoring his law. Just flip it random through your Bible. Land on any page, any chapter, and there's a good chance you're going to find two things. Number one, Yahweh gives glorious laws for his people to follow. And number two, they don't. And when they don't, the same thing happens every time. And here it is in verse 24. Who gave Jacob up to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not Yahweh? Yahweh, against whom we have sinned, in whose ways they would not walk, and whose law they would not obey. Do you see what's happening here, friends? There's Judah fallen and lying on the ground in pain, miserably passing away their meager existence in holes and prisons, and wondering, where is Yahweh? But friends... Yahweh warned them that this would happen. He wrote it out carefully in his word and he shouted it out through his prophets. And Judah saw it. He saw many things, but he did not observe them. His ears were open to Yahweh's glorious law, but he did not listen. He did not hear. And so when the great nation of Babylon came to loot and plunder the people of of Judah, sorry, it was not that Yahweh was unable or unaware so as to rescue them. (laughs) It was Yahweh who handed them over. Judah would not walk according to his ways. Judah would not obey his laws. So after writing and shouting and doing everything he possibly could to warn Judah that there's a big obstacle in your way and Judah continually ignoring him, Yahweh himself personally shoved him right over that obstacle. Verse 25 says it this way. So he, Yahweh, poured out on him, Judah, the heat of his anger, And the might of battle, it set him on fire all around, but he did not understand it. It burned him up, but he didn't take it to heart. This is vivid imagery, friends. Yahweh was so angry that his rage set Judah's world on fire. But Judah still didn't get it. Judah was himself burned up in the blaze of battle like an offering on a sacrificial altar, but the imagery was lost on him even as he was consumed by the flames. What he should have seen, what he should have known is that his refusal to obey Yahweh's law would incur Yahweh's wrath. The law itself 
promised that if Judah refused to obey, he would be given over for other nations to loot and plunder. Yahweh wasn't going to rescue Judah. He was going to surrender him. And Judah would find himself in exactly this kind of situation he's now in. He would find himself in exile, trapped in holes in prisons, feeling lost and abandoned by Yahweh, but also feeling self-righteous, willingly blind to his own failings and deaf to Yahweh's rebukes. This is a bad situation. What hope does a people like that have? There is none to rescue. There is none to say restore. And really, with a stubborn people like that, why would anyone even want to? Well, strangely enough, someone does want to. We're going to consider that in the second half of our text this morning. Let's take a look at Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples, in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This text is as breathtaking as it is unexpected. It would have been completely just for Yahweh to have left the rebellious, willfully deaf and blind people of Judah in their holes and prisons to rot. Instead, we read these words. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored And I love you. I give men in return for you. Peoples in exchange for your life. This is not the abandonment of the deaf and blind. This is the redemption of the honored and loved. And this is not a far off hope like a possibility on a distant horizon for God's people. No. This is a done deal. It's already been accomplished. Look at verse 1 again. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are, right now, mine. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, this is he who has also, past tense, redeemed you. He paid the price for you. He's personally covered the cost of your release. 
Though there was none to rescue you, Jacob, you have been rescued. Though there was none to say, restore Israel, you have been restored. And so where there once was no hope and no future, listen to what is coming now. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Neither terrific torrents of water or the horrific blazes of fire can touch you. They shall not overwhelm you. The most destructive elemental forces on earth are no match for the one who created them. Moreover, though Judah had previously ignored the world burning around him, his redemption by Yahweh means he never has to fear that burning again. In fact, the only part that Judah plays in this entire text is to stop fearing. Verse 1, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Verse 5, fear not, for I am with you. And if the one against whom Judah had sinned and ignored has forgiven him, there is really nothing left to fear. What incredible mercy this is to a people who are altogether undeserving. What unimaginable grace is displayed here to an unworthy people. And what an incredible invitation this is, not just to these people, but to all peoples. Look with me again at verse 5. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. To the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name. Friends, Yahweh's invitation of redemption and forgiveness is not just for Judah. It's for all peoples. Whether you're from the east, west, or north, or south, whether you're born and raised in state college or in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. It's all available to you. The only condition on the invitation is right here in verse 7. It is available to everyone who is called by the name of Yahweh. Who are those? They are those whom God has redeemed. Verse 3. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. The redeemed, friends, are not some superior race of perfect people. No, they are those who have sinned against Yahweh, willfully covering their ears and their eyes. They are the ones that have rebelled against Yahweh. It led to their destruction such that their meager existence was now lived out in holes and in prisons. But it is these very rebels who are also precious in Yahweh's sight. They are honored and he loves us. We are his. And in this text, Yahweh says that he is willing to offer up men even entire peoples and nations in order for sinners like you and me to be redeemed. But he is willing to offer much more than that too. And we know that because we just spent the past weeks preparing for and then celebrating 
Christmas. The day when God sent the person most precious, honored, and loved in his eyes, his own son, Jesus Christ, into our world to redeem a deaf and blind people who did not want him, that they might rightly be called precious, honored, and loved. This is the message we call the gospel, the good news, the greatest news. It is the great redemptive story of the Bible that we are rescued rebels. We are forgiven fools. We are sinners made saints. And it is all because of Jesus Christ, who is himself, Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, our Savior, who lived a perfect life and who was crucified on a Roman cross by sinful men that he might become the ransom for all who would call upon his name. And so we would be called by his name. And here we see it right in front of us, plain as day, yet prophesied thousands of years ago as Yahweh spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And so what does this mean for us here today? First, if you are here today and you are not called by the name of Christ, if you do not know him as your savior, then this text clearly and rightly says that you are deaf and blind and you have no idea. But what you do know is that your life is a mess, right? Despite all your best efforts, your plans and your relationships continually fail you. They regularly disappoint. This text says that it's because, at least in part, foundationally, because you have been deaf to the voice of God and blind to his commands which offer life. Instead of hearing and seeing rightly, you've been trying to live apart from Yahweh, perhaps by your own strength or perhaps by the strength of things that are not God's and therefore cannot rescue you. Same result either way. And Yahweh has gone through tremendous efforts to get your attention, even setting your world on fire around you. Because the greater and everlasting fire of hell awaits those who continue in their rebellion against him. Your messed up life is his rescue effort. But take heart, friend. If you are reading these words right now, if you are hearing these words right now, then there is hope for you. It's not too late. Yahweh is opening your eyes to see, and he's opening your ears to hear. Regardless of where you're from or what your background is, he's calling you. Verse uh, 23 in chapter 42 says this. Who among you will give ear to this? Will attend and listen for the time to come? The time to come in the future. That's you. You're here right now listening, seeing, hearing. Do you hear him, friends? He's speaking to you right now. If so, then this is the time to come. You're finally hearing it. This is a miracle taking place in your life right now. Please don't ignore it. Admit that you have sinned against God. You have not walked in his ways. You have not obeyed his law. And then ask 
for his forgiveness. There's nothing more you need to do. Jesus Christ, the sent one, has already done it for you. You've already been redeemed. Jesus has already redeemed you. Verse 2 in chapter 43, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So will you come? Will you come to Yahweh? If you're ready to do that, Friends, please come talk to me or talk to anyone that you saw up front here. We would love to welcome you to new life. You don't have to live in the holes and the prisons anymore. But these words this morning are not only for you, to whom I've just been speaking, but they're to all of us, to all who are being called to come into the church of God. They are for those of us who have already been here. Because I know personally, from speaking with some of you over the past weeks, that you feel like you are trapped in holes and prisons. Some of you are engaged in bitter conflict with no end in sight. Others of you are feeling lonely. You long for deep connections with others, but you often feel overlooked. You long for depth, but it seems like no one will listen. You long for care, for someone to understand. Still more of you are dealing with health issues, your own or those of people who are dear to you. And it feels like those health issues dictate everything in your life. And I know that some of you are facing financial struggles, The numbers just aren't adding up. And you know that God can take care of this. But where is he? In each of these cases, as well as many more I'm simply not aware of, I know that the hole you're in feels deep. And the dungeon you're in feels dark. If that's you, my dear brothers and sisters... Open your ears to hear these words. Verses 3 and 4. I am Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave everything as your ransom, my own beloved Son, in exchange for you. And here's why I did it. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And I love you. Friends, God knows where you are. He knows how you feel. He created you. He formed you. And every one of your tears is precious to him. Your time in prison will not last forever. And until that time ends, he will be with you every step of the way. Hear this promise in verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, because I will be with you. In the vantage point from our deep holes and securely locked prisons, friends, 
it's really hard to see the end to it all. But he does. And he's already paid your ransom. He's going to be with you every moment of every day until this trial is over. And then he will be with you forevermore after that. We need to be reminded of that truth, friends. We need to be constantly reminded. I needed that reminder over these past weeks, and I trust that God's word to you this morning is here because you need it too. And that's why Yahweh has given us the church. It's built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I mean both the global church and the local church here at Grace Fellowship, right here, right now. Friends, we come here week after week, not because we have to, but because we want to, we need to. We come because our constant temptation is to shut our eyes and close our ears and forget these truths. We need to be reminded weekly, indeed daily, and, and that, that yes, we are sinners and sin has wreaked havoc on everything we love and hold dear, but that Jesus Christ came to fix it and he is fixing it. And one day soon he's coming back to fix it. And he'll never leave us, even for a moment, until all is accomplished. So he has given us one another, the people sitting around you. All of whom are cheering you on to hear and see and believe the gospel, even as you are cheering them on to see and hear and believe the gospel. That's what the church is for. And that leads us to this table. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up because we're going to eat from this table and we like to have them sing to us while we do. This simple meal of bread and juice is part of our rallying cry as we cheer. It's part of our reminding one another that Jesus Christ came and died for us to fix all this, but that he's risen to life and he's coming again. Listen to these words from 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you, are, you proclaim the Lord's death, until he comes. This meal, friends, is for Christians, for those who are called by his name, the rescued and redeemed people of Yahweh. And so, if your eyes and ears are open, if you responded to him, if you've come to him, then this meal is for you. Please join me in this meal. But if you've not yet come to him, then please refrain from coming to this table. Instead, take the next few minutes to consider what God has opened your eyes to see and your ears to hear this morning. Know that Yahweh is waiting for you to come because you are precious in his eyes and honored and he loves you. Please come to him. And next time, I hope you will join us at this table.